right. I'd like to welcome everyone to another edition of uh, Coach Starnes Raw. It's uh, it's been a little bit. It's a uh, holiday season, and of course, we you know we do this this show through All Saints Episcopal School. So there's going to be some some gaps here, especially during the holiday season. But excited to be back and and talking some football. There's there's been a lot happened since the last edition of Coach Starnes Raw. It's it's been a roller coaster. Especially in college football with some some big games and some key coaching moves and and I want to address all that today. So I mean it's it's there's a lot to talk about. You know, starting out with starting out with the coaching the coaching turnover. You know, I <clears throat> there's been a lot of ridicule, you know, a lot of speculation, a lot of ridicule, a lot of on on both accounts. You have, you know, someone like Brian Kelly, who leaves Notre Dame to go to LSU. Now, both of these programs are outstanding programs. And and the package that he received at LSU is is outstanding. But but he left Notre Dame. And so, you know, my take on this is Brian Kelly has done an amazing job at Notre Dame. But Notre Dame is <laughs> The fact that Notre Dame has become a jumping-off point or a not a not a what I would call a landing point or not a final destination for a coach is is besides just crazy to me. The fact that he would leave Notre Dame to go to LSU now, I think again, I think LSU LSU is a is a special place, and what I mean by that is, you know, it LSU owns the state of Louisiana as, as far as recruiting, and we know recruiting is the foundation of college football. But LSU is the premier program in that state. Those kids in Louisiana dream of growing up and playing for LSU. Most of them don't dream of growing up and playing for Louisiana Lafayette or Louisiana Monroe or Louisiana Tech, even though I love all those schools. That LSU has the they have the recruiting hub there in Louisiana, which has outstanding athletes. And, and so it's a special place. It's, it's a, it's a great football program, a storied football program. But the problem with LSU is it has to play in the SEC West. And so that's my, that's my take. You know, yes, Brian Kelly got a great package to go to LSU, but he leaves Notre Dame where with the job he's done and the program he's built at Notre Dame, he's he's winning 11, 12 games every year. And that's that's exceptional. And so every year now Notre Dame is in the conversation of the national football, the playoff, the college football playoff, because of where it's set and because of it, it is Notre Dame. And, and when Notre Dame's good, college football's better. And so I think LSU got a great football coach. I think it's a good hire. I mean, by, by good hire, I think they got a good football coach, and I think he's going to win games and might even bring a championship to LSU. Maybe. But the sustainability at an LSU is very difficult, again, because you have to play in the SEC West, and I'm going to address that in a little bit. But you see him leave Notre Dame. He could have been in the conversation for the college football playoff every year at Notre Dame with what he's built. 
with the way Notre Dame's schedule is situated and with the the aura of in college football that Notre Dame has. I remember, oh, oh, gosh, it was, I think, I want to say it was, I don't want to misquote on the year, I want to say it was 2016. <laughs> Texas and Notre Dame play in the, the opener, the season opener. And it goes down, to, I, th- I want to say it went, it went into overtime. And Texas wins. They beat Notre Dame. Well, Texas goes from unranked to, no. I, I want to say it was number ninth, but number nine in the country because they beat Notre Dame. And, and just because both those names carry so much weight, college football is better when those two programs are good. And so all of a sudden, there you go. Next week, Texas is ninth after beating Notre Dame. And what we come what come to find out is both teams were bad that year. You know, it was all oh, Texas beats Notre Dame in overtime opener. Well, we're gonna bump them up to ninth. Both teams are ranked. Well, both of them are bad. But it's Texas and Notre Dame. And so back to my point. I think Brian Kelly making I think him going to LSU is a mistake on his part if he wants to be in the conversation for national championship every year or in the Collins conversation for being in the college football playoff every year. Cause I think he can do that at Notre Dame. I don't think he can do that at LSU. And it's not a knock on him. I think he does an outstanding job. On the other note, the other key move, Lincoln Riley going to USC, very smart decision. People say he's scared. I don't think he's scared. I don't think he's scared of playing SEC West teams. I think he's just smart. With the package he received as well, why would you stay at Oklahoma, who has been in the college football playoffs discussion every year, transitioning to the SEC when you can go and have the keys to the Pac-12 at USC? Because we know if USC gets a dynamic leader like Lincoln Riley is, an outstanding football coach, they can own the Pac-12. The Pac-12 is up for grabs. Utah, Utah has res- restrictions, I think, on how good they can be. I mean, they have an outstanding coach. Whittingham has done an amazing job. I love the brand of football they play. But it's still, it's Utah. And, I, and again, I'm not knocking Utah. It's just not a, what I mean is it's not in that upper echelon of programs. They're, they, they're great. I love watching them play football. But it's not, I don't think it's sustainable because of, the nature of that program. And there have been some years where they're really good. Under Whittingham, under Meyer. But like a USC, USC carries the brand name. You get the right guy in USC and you can own the West Coast, which is needs to be owned because the Pac-12, if you know the teams come to play and we don't get a bunch of opt-outs, you're, we're going to see in the bowl games, the Pac-12 is just not up to snuff with the other programs. Definitely, it's, it, I think it's the weakest of the Power 5 programs. And that's with a very weak ACC right now. But the Pac-12 is just, I just don't think it's up to the same standard, especially from top to bottom. And so Lincoln Riley can go in there and own that conference. If he takes LSU, uh, LSU, sorry, USC and owns the Pac-12, he's in the national championship talk every year. And that's very achievable. Oh, or you can go take Oklahoma, who has... Cracked, you know, the college football playoff, but not won a national championship. And now you have to go play the SEC West. No more games against Kansas. No more games against Texas Tech. Nope, you get the SEC West or the SEC East. And I know they're going to break it up into different divisions, but still, 
You get to go play in the SEC now. It's a whole different brand of football. So, on that note, that carries me into my next topic. You know, I heard something, <clears throat> this is going back a week, they were talking about, this was before this past weekend, by the way. They were saying, Alabama, they they barely they barely eked out a win against a an Auburn team who's like 500. Oh, they struggled against LSU, who's 500. They lost to an A&M team in College Station, who I think is 8-4. and four. So, who cares? It's the SEC West. You put those teams in the Big 12, and some of them are undefeated. You put those teams in the ACC, and they are undefeated. All of those teams I just mentioned. It's a whole different level of football. So their argument at that time, and I was going to talk about this last week, their argument at that, at that time was, oh, A&M, I mean, not a uh, Alabama has struggled. They've been struggled. Well, yeah, they've struggled, but they, they, they didn't struggle against Tulsa. They didn't struggle against South Florida. No, no, no. They struggled against Arkansas, A&M, Auburn, LSU. They struggled against the SEC West, which is the best conference in football. And it's not even close. I don't even hear, there's no discussion. It's not even close. It is a gauntlet week in and week out now. Ole Miss, I mean, Lane Kiffin has Ole Miss rocking and rolling. Mike Leach is a year away from Mississippi State being really good. And they're good right now, but they're going to be really good in another year. LSU has, like I said earlier, they have great athletes. They can beat anybody and should. Arkansas now is rolling. The once at one time, you know, Arkansas was struggling, but not anymore. Arkansas is good. They have a good head coach. They have a good offensive coordinator. They are playing great football. Auburn has great talent and is well coached as well. They just have some holes and some keys in some key places. But but neither here nor there. It is a gauntlet every week. It's not the, even the SEC East. I have the stats right here. The SEC West against the SEC East is 10-4 and four this year. And that's including Auburn's two losses. The SEC West against other opponents outside of the SEC is 25-3. and three. 25 and 3. And that's with wins over big programs that are leading in other conferences. The SEC West is is it's, it's not even comparable. It, it's a gauntlet every week. And so those teams are better for it by playing in it, but it's also I don't want to hear oh Alabama sure Alabama just ran the gauntlet in the SEC West, slipped up in College Station in a very difficult place to play, and A&M had a good game plan for them. And they didn't adjust. Well, they did adjust in the second half, but it was too late. And they fell short right there. Other than that, they went unscathed in the SEC West, which is extremely hard to do, especially this season. It's so much better than everybody else. And we saw that now. And so people ask me, what do you think about Alabama and Georgia? I think I said, they think Alabama's going to win. Georgia is outstanding. But Georgia has played in the SEC East. It's a lot different. It's even different in the SEC East. It's still better than other conferences, but it's different. 
Alabama has has went through the test. Alabama has been up against it every week, and Georgia has not. And it showed on Saturday. And Alabama took it to them. Georgia was not able to get pressure on Bryce Young. If you do not get pressure on Bryce Young, you have zero chance of beating Alabama. What did A&M do to shut down Alabama in the first? They mixed up pressures and got pressure on Bryce Young. He is outstanding, and I think he just won a Heisman over the last two weekends with his light, with his um, comeback against Auburn and with his performance against um, Georgia. But if you do not mix up, pre- mix up your defensive pressures and disguise your defensive pressures and mix them up and confuse the offensive line and get pressure on Bryce Lung, you have no chance of beating Alabama. And yes, that means I do not think Cincinnati has a chance of beating Alabama. But I will address that next week. So, Georgia was not able to do that. Georgia was not able to get consistent pressure on Bryce Young, and therefore, Bryce Young had a had a career game against Georgia, and Alabama just ran Georgia out of the build, out of the building. And that, and, and to me, it shows. I, I think Kirby Smart's amazing. I think he's done an outstanding job. It it shows nothing against him, but Alabama is still the best. Until it is dethroned, it is. And Nick, Nick Saban is the best coach in college football history. There's a reason for that, and it shows that they've been tested every week. There are no off weeks in the SEC West, and that showed on Saturday. Now, another thing I wanted to talk about in college football is analytics. I hear that all the time. Oh, the analytics. Analytics say this. Analytics say this. I'm obviously not an analytics guy. Football, I think, and coaching is a feel. I think it's a feel thing. And what I mean is, and I'm a golfer as well, you know, you go to the the guys that are very mechanical or the guys that play with feel. I think you you should do the same thing when you're coaching. It's a It's a feeling. It's a, you know when you should go for two. You know when... You should punt, and when you should not punt, and when you should go for it. Momentum analytics do not take into account momentum. And in kids' mentality, and I say kids, I mean young athletes, these young men. It doesn't take into account their mentality. I watched the, I was breaking down the Mississippi State Auburn game. And yes, I know that was a while back. But Auburn goes for two when they didn't have two yet, and they didn't get it, and then now they're down by two scores. And totally deflates their team's mentality. If they'd have kicked the extra point, they still would have been down by eight. Their kids still have hope if you're down by eight. But now you're not. You're down by nine. And now you're down by two scores. And your team is deflated and you have no chance of coming back. You do not go for two until you have to. Unless you're in a situation like last night. And I'll talk about that when I get to the NFL with Bill Belichick. That was brilliant. And that's a whole different animal because he didn't have to go for two, but the situation deemed it necessary. That's a feel thing. It's not an analytics thing. Lane Kiffin and going forward on fourth, that is going to come back to get him. It should have come back to get him against against Mississippi State, but Mississippi State was down by too much. He can close that game out by pinning Mississippi State deep in their own territory, and they go for it. I want to say it was at midfield in the fourth quarter, and they don't get it. 
and they just steadily don't get it. I watched him. The only thing that kept A&M in the game against Mississippi State was him going for forward on fourth down. That kept A&M in the game. They owned A&M in Oxford that day. But Mississippi State kept, not Mississippi State, Mississippi kept them in the game by Kiffin going for it on fourth down. Oh, it's fun to talk about. Oh, everybody loves it. Yeah, yeah, There's times to go for it on fourth down. And there's situations you definitely do that. But to do it as much as it, 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 becomes, it becomes a detriment to your team. It's not how the game's supposed to be played. There are rules for the game and how to coach the game and how to conduct the game and how to manage the game. And those rules are there for a reason. But analytics, I, I, I don't I don't buy into analytics at all. It's a feel thing. You know when the situation, if you've been around the game long enough, you know when the situation calls for it and you know what to do in that correct situation. Or, now, take into account what happened this past weekend, you know, in the Final Four now. And so I'm going to wrap up college football. The Final Four, I, I thought for the first for the first time, there is no discussion. I mean, there's really no argument now. For the final four, and now you also you're also not hearing a lot of argument for hey there should be there should be a tournament of eight, which I would love to see a tournament of eight. I'd love to see a tournament of sixteen. I think FCS is great, by the way. And my Sam Houston State uh, Bearcats are still rolling, trying to defend their national title with a big uh, win over Incarnate Ward last weekend. Just shout out there, but but you don't hear it because I mean it's it's pretty clear right now who the best four teams are. And I'm going to give you my predictions next week, but I mean it's clearly right now there there are very little arguments because the fifth place team lost to the fourth place team at home. And by the way, that was a great hire by Notre Dame, hiring the defensive coordinator. Outstanding decision. I think it showed with the kids' reactions, and, and that was a great that was a great great call. And Notre Dame's going to continue rolling. I think Brian Kelly's the one that's going to lose out on that one. And again, not again. I'm not saying they didn't get a good coach. I think he does a great job, and I think he'll do a good job at LSU. It's just what what do you want, right? What are you looking for? It, let's tr- let's transition to the NFL next week, though. I'll talk about that in a minute. Let's transition to the NFL. All right, NFL. NFL is just NFL is is something every week, right? I mean, it's it's really. It just like they like said, any given Sunday, just like the movie. And I know I've talked about it. Anybody can win on any given Sunday. The Texans can beat the Titans. I think I'd call that. I don't think we've talked since then. That's right. I've called that. I, I remember. I remember sitting here and saying that. I said, "Hey, the Texans can. Or they can win. They can beat the Titans." Now they can't because Tyrod Taylor's out again. But the Texans can beat any of these teams with Tyrod Taylor because they have a because they, they he manages the game so well. So what I'm getting at is. The wor- you know, one of the two worst teams in the league can beat can beat anybody. At that point, the best team in the league. Now I know it was without Derrick Henry, but still, the Eagles are rolling. I mean, you have this big group, and we've talked about it every week. This big group in the middle, and you have very few teams separating themselves from the other ones. In the NFC West again, now it truly has appeared that I think the Cardinals and the Packers and the Buccaneers are a little better than everybody else. And I think, I, I, I told you all a while back, the Rams are too, and the Rams will get there. It, you, we just have to give time for their additions to their team. Vaughn Miller, 
Odell Beckham. We have to give time for those additions to to catch on and to kind of mesh with the rest of the team. I think they're going to be right there in the end, too. Uh, and I've said it all year. The Cowboys are not an elite team. I'm sorry. I'm in East Texas. Everybody loves the Cowboys. I think Dak Prescott's really good. I think he's an elite player. I think he's great. The Cowboys are not an elite team. I'm very sorry. They're not. With their schedule, with them losing as many games as they they just don't have it. They don't. Now, I might be proven wrong, but they don't have it. They are not elite. I think those those four teams in the NFC and everybody else. And if you had to say, who do you pick? And I'm never going to pick against Tom Brady. I'm not. Can't do it. Cannot do it until it gets proven otherwise. But those four teams, I think, are in the NFC West. And I'm going to tell you what. In the AFC? Let's talk about the AFC. Who do I think is better than everybody else? Patriots. I've said it over and over again, and I called that. I want to say that was week three or week four. So Bill Belichick's best coach to ever coach in the NFL. No, hands down. And they are emerging as the best team in the AFC, and it's hands down. They're the best managed team. They're the best coach team in every aspect of the game. They're the best team. They don't have the best quarterback. They have a quarterback that fits their system well. They don't have the best running back. They don't have the best defense second. They have they have the best team. They're the best team. So they come into last night going into Buffalo, who's supposed to be the team to beat in the AFC at the beginning of the year, who's supposed to be the team in the AFCS that's taking over for the Patriots. They're they're supplanting the Patriots as the best team. Hold on. They go into Buffalo last night in awful conditions. The wind was terrible. The wind chill, I want to say, was in the low 20s. And the wind totally dictated the game. But I watched them go out there and execute a game plan that was outstanding. They executed a game plan to perfection. How do you neutralize the wind? You run the football. You speed up the game when you're against the wind, and you slow down the game when you have the wind. Because you want to maximize having the wind. After their first touchdown, what do they do? They're into the wind. No, they go for two. Great call. That's what I'm talking about. That's a feel thing. That's not analytics. Nothing in analytics tells you to go for two the first score of the game. That's a feel thing. You're into 40, 50-mile-an-hour winds, swirling winds. You go for two. Percentage is much better. You know, that's knowing your personnel. That's knowing the situation. They went in and they threw the ball three times. Three times. Matt Jones was two for three for 19 yards. And they go into Buffalo and beat the Bills 14 to 10. They went in with a game plan. They stuck to their game plan. And they executed their game plan to perfection. They ran the football all night, shortened the game, did everything they could to take the wind out of the situation. And they went into Buffalo and, and beat Buffalo by running the football. They run the football. They play great defense. They play good special teams, minus the mishap on the because Buffalo's one touchdown came on the ball tipping the pump returner's face mask, and it was by a fraction. But they rushed for two hundred and twenty-two yards. 
It, it was special watching that game. I know it's a 14 to 10 game. Oh, all they did was run the. It was special watching that game, watching a coaching staff come in with a game plan, a team come in with a game plan and executing that game plan and sticking with it and executing it to perfection. It was, it was awesome. They are better prepared and better coached than any other team in the NFL. Will they win it? I don't know. I mean, nobody knows it's the NFL. Anybody can win. But I'll tell you what, they are the best prepared, best coached team week in and week out. And now they sit atop the AFC at 9-4. and four. And now they're two games ahead of the Bills because they own the tiebreaker right now. That's, that's exceptional. That is exceptional. That is a team that I remember talking about. They started out three, I'm sorry, one and three with a win over the Jets. One and three. And I believe after they went two and three, and I saw them beat the Texans, I was like, this is a different football team. This team will be there. And sure enough, they lost that overtime, that overtime game to Dallas. And they've won seven straight. It's very eerily similar. I've been watching the, the man in the arena with uh, about Tom Brady, and it's eerily, eerily similar to Tom Brady's emergence. Now, am I saying Mac Jones is Tom Brady? Absolutely not. I'm saying the formula is the same. The formula that Bill Belichick and his staff are using is the same as they did when Tom Brady emerged on the scene back in the early 2000s and created this dynasty. I'm not saying that Mac Jones is Tom Brady. I'm saying the formula is the same, and we're seeing it right now. No one thought the Patriots were good when Tom Brady's, when they won their first Super Bowl and they beat the greatest show on turf. But they did it. And so, we're, you know, we have some big games this week in the NFL. Steelers, Steelers, that was a huge win over, um, over the uh, Ravens this past weekend. They have a big Thursday night game. Thursday night games are tough on the road. They have to go to Minnesota. Who Minnesota's a middle of the road team at five and seven. Steelers are six, five and one. I think the Steelers are a better football team, but they have to go to Minnesota on a Thursday on a short week. That is a very difficult situation to do. Very difficult. I do not like Thursday night games for the NFL. I like watching them. I do not think they're good for the NFL. I do not think they're good for the players. Browns, Ravens, big game. Ravens cannot afford to lose another one. If depending on the, you know, it, for, for their situation, the playoffs. Chiefs are looking a lot better. Chiefs are rolling. Uh, they seem to be clicking a lot better on on all cylinders. I still don't think they have it. You know, the same it that where they where they stepped on the field, they scared every other team. Every other team played defensively because they were so scared of the explosiveness of the Chiefs. I don't think they have that, but they're playing good football now. In all three aspects, they're playing good football. The Chiefs are playing real good football and sitting at eight and four, doing a, doing a doing a real good job. There's just again every week in and week out, these games are so big because so many teams are middle of the road teams, and and now that seven get in the playoffs, I mean, very few teams are out of it. I mean, you're looking at the Lions, you know, the Lions, the Jets, the Texans, they're out of it. Everybody else is not. And then Monday night, it'll be fun. Rams and Cardinals, that'll be good. Bears, Packers, that rivalry on 
on Sunday night. I don't think that's much of a game, especially in Green Bay. I don't think the Bears are very good at all. But the Packers are good, and I, th- I think I don't think that's going to be a close game at all. But Rams Cardinals on 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 Monday night that's going to be that's going to be one to watch. That's going to be fun to watch. Bills have to go to the Buccaneers. That's interesting. The Bills, after dropping that tough one to the Patriots, have to go to Tom Brady in Tampa Bay. Very interesting because if the Buccaneers are able to pull that off and the Buccaneers are playing well right now, if the Buccaneers are able to beat Buffalo in Tampa, that's going to put that's going to put Buffalo behind the eight ball. That's going to put them in a very difficult situation in their conference, in their division. Big games every week. And so I want to, again, thank everyone for joining me this week. Uh, looking forward next week. I'm going to talk about, I'm going to give my bowl game predictions and, of course, talk about the college football playoff because after next week we'll be kind of taking a hiatus for Christmas break. But I'm going to kind of give, I'm going to kind of wrap everything up, of course, talk about the NFL. But I'm going to talk about the my predictions for the Final Four, how I think that's going to look, what I think the scores are going to be in the in those games, and kind of talk about some key bowl games and, and kind of give my take on the bowl games. And I'm also going to... For all you option football fans, I'm an option football guy. I know I've talked about that. But the greatest game is being played this Saturday, and that's Army-Navy. Now, I'm a huge academy guy. I love Air Force, Army, Navy. I love all of them. I love watching them play. I love the way they play. I love everything about them. I love everything they stand for. I love that these young men are going to go out there and get to play football, and then they're going to go out there and defend our nation. So that we can have the freedoms we have, it's uh, it's special. But no other game to me, again, because of the the special nature of this game and the special young men that are playing in it. And again, I just love the brand of football they play. I love option football. So next week, I'm going to break down the Army Navy game. I'm going to watch it this Saturday. I'm going to break it down and I'm going to talk the intricacies of option football because it's. I know it seems boring to some, but these two teams know how to play each other because they both run the option, so they know how to play the option. And so I'm going to break it down and talk about the intricacies of the option of the option football and what each team did to combat the other team's you know, advantages or to combat the way they were trying to run the option. And so I'm going to give a, I'm going to give a deep dive into that next week as well. So I'm going to talk about bowl games, talk about the college football playoff, NFL as usual, but I'm going to really give a deep dive into that Army-Navy game, which I think is the greatest game in college football. Thank you all again for joining me on Coach Starnes Raw.